Welcome to Act 3, the podcast where we explore how to thoughtfully shape the rest of our lives. I'm your host, Kara Gray. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching service where I help executives and professionals plan their Act 3. For more information, stay tuned until the end. Hey there, listeners. Before we dive into today's episode, I've got some exciting news to share. We're all about celebrating life's big milestones here. And what's bigger than stepping into the golden years of your retirement? That's why I'm super excited to introduce our exclusive retirement swag collection. Picture this, stylish hoodies, sleek t-shirts, and classic baseball caps, each crafted to embody the spirit of retirement. It's not just about kicking back and relaxing. It's about embracing freedom, stepping into a new phase of being rewired, and thriving in your Act 3. Our collection celebrates these moments with designs that are minimal yet chic, modern yet timeless, perfect for you, or as thoughtful gifts for your retired friends and family. And guess what? Shopping is just a click away. Visit goodmorningfreedom.myshopify.com to explore our range. Each piece tells a story, your story, of a life well-lived and a future full of possibilities. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the link as well. But here's the catch. These are exclusive, limited-time offerings. So make sure to grab your favorites before they're gone. Celebrate retirement in style with our retirement swag and let the world know that the best is yet to come. And now, on with the show. Today, I welcome Victor Polshuk to the podcast. Victor is a clinical professor emeritus of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and former chair of the Ethics Committee and chair of the Ethics Consultation Service at Rochester General Hospital. Victor retired in 2006 and has been very active in his local Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, teaching and taking courses. He travels extensively, interviews applicants for the medical school, and is a member of the board of directors of the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra. He is also on the education committee of the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra, chair of adult education at his synagogue, and involved in the lives of his five grandchildren. Welcome, Victor, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So I always start my interviews with talking about what life looked like when you were working in the bulk of your career. You've had an accomplished career as a physician and faculty member. Tell us about that time in your life. It was a busy time. Um, I had a practice of obstetrics and gynecology, uh, started a private practice with two, uh, with one other uh, physician. And when I retired, we had a practice of 11 physicians with three locations. It, it was very rewarding. Um, the practice of obstetrics and gynecology was was very rewarding too. Very long-term relationships with patients, which I really enjoyed. Um, a lot of uh, wonderful kinds of surgery that uh, as my career progressed, the uh, things we were able to do uh, with advanced instrumentation was absolutely wonderful. Um, and a lot of great learning during my career. Uh, and being on faculty at the medical school was very rewarding also. Teaching is really, really a lot of fun. And I had uh, intimate relation, uh, educational relationships with uh, both medical students and residents. 
Um, so it was, a, it was a busy and active and um, very rewarding life. What percentage of your time was spent practicing medicine versus teaching? Just out of curiosity. Call, it's a hard call to put numbers on it like that because so much of the teaching was done uh, while practicing at the bedside um, or in the uh, operating room, um, yeah. labor and delivery suite and so on. So um, the vast majority of my in-hospital time, I would have a medical student or resident with me. Um, so a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you you have stayed very active in your retirement from all reports that I've come across. What has motivated you to really choose to be involved in so many different organizations like the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute and also the Rochester Philharmonic? I think those are great organizations to be involved in. Anything else that I'm missing? Certainly your synagogue and all that. I don't know. I've always had... I've I've always been somewhat of a, a geek, um, and I've always regretted uh, a lot of the education I was not able to get as an undergrad in medical uh, uh, school, uh, going to medical school, because when you're a pre-med as an undergrad, you have so many required courses that your ability to take electives is, is limited. Um, so OSHER is a really... Uh, wonderful uh, institute. It's, it's a college. It's like going to college without exams and papers. Um, and the uh, Lifelong Learning Institute is, is full of people who are just like me. They have retired. Um, they still have brains that work and uh, want to exercise them and use them. And so I, I both teach there and take classes there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So as you were approaching your retirement, did you have a plan for what you were going to do with your time? Or how did that evolve? How did you plan your life? Not a concrete plan. And I retired in somewhat of a gradual manner. I, re I retired from my practice um, fully and then went back and worked part-time doing ambulatory gynecology for a couple of years, seeing patients I'd seen for many years. So I would go back for a couple of uh, half days a week or three half days a week, which was a very nice transition into retirement. It was a nice way, way to do that. Um, and my patients enjoyed it very much, too, because I got to see them in a very casual way and introduce them to my partners who they would transition to over time. So it was not an abrupt transition. It was a gradual transition. Um, and I had known about the educational opportunities at uh, what had been called at that time the Athenaeum uh, here in Rochester and uh, was excited to explore uh, educational opportunities. Uh, indeed, the first course I took after I uh, retired was on the University of Rochester campus. I took a, a course in constitutional law, uh, which had always interested me. And, and now I just read all over the place in terms of what I'm, I'm, I'm studying. Um, and I'd always been involved in my synagogue. I had been uh, vice president of finance and so on. And so I continued my uh, involvement there. Uh, and my involvement at the medical school transitioned into being on the um, admissions committee, which I was on for many years. Um, and I'm still uh, active in the admissions um, process by interviewing applicants. Uh, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. I just had an interview yesterday with a really wonderful young woman. I get to meet all these fabulous young people 
who were applying to the medical school and, and interview them. So um, it was a nice transition. Yeah, you've done a really nice job of finding a balance between um, intellectual stimulation and community engagement and leisure time. What does a typical week look like for you now? Um, <laughs> is there a typical week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so typical week, I'm teaching um, at the moment, I'm teaching at the Ocean Lifelong Learning Institute in two courses. Um, one is, um, well, I should back up and say that um, music, classical music has been a lifelong interest of mine. Um, and I have read a lot and I know a fair amount about it, so I've been able to teach it. So um, I taught a four-semester course in the history of Western music at, at Osher. And um, I've been teaching composer-specific courses. I'm in the middle of a Gershwin course right now. Fun. Um, and so so that's fun. Um, and I'm taking a course at the moment in Candide. And so um, and I'm also teaching uh, that course, uh, Leonard Bernstein's operetta from Voltaire's Candide. So that, that's okay. fun. And I'm taking other classes there. So I'd probably spend ooh, three half days a week at the Ocean Life Long Learning Institute. Okay. Either taking classes or teaching. Um, and then I'll usually have a couple of uh, interviews um, for the medical school. So um, that'll take a couple of hours of interviewing and then another half hour, 45 minutes to light up those interviews for each. And um, this week we're having uh, some intense meetings at my synagogue over uh, future planning. I'm on a committee for that. Um, so it's it's busy and and I love it. I love being busy, and that's yeah. why I'm traveling. I travel extensively, and I really enjoy travel. Yeah, that's uh, exactly where I'm going next. So nice segue. I know you've just gotten back from a trip to all the stands, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. I don't know where else you went. Um, tell us about that most recent trip, Victor. I started in southeast uh, Kazakhstan uh, in Almaty and followed the Silk Route West um, through uh, Uzbekistan, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Tajikistan, and wound up in Istanbul. Uh, it was a fascinating trip. It was a real hole in my education and knowledge. Uh, I don't know about you, but my education was so Eurocentric. There's this whole center of, the, of Asia that has wonderful uh, history, amazing cultures, um, and I, I knew very little about it. So studying and preparation for the trip and then taking a three-week trip like that was was quite wonderful. So I know you have a process um, about choosing and preparing for these trips. Walk us through that a little bit. What does that look like? Because that seems like great fun as well and a fantastic use of your time. It, it is. Um, it depends on, on previous trips. So um I really enjoy city trips and the uh, cultural things that you can do, museums, uh, galleries, uh, uh, concerts, uh, theater, that kind of thing. So I'll do city trips, but um, I'll sort of alternate maybe a city trip and then an adventurous trip. Um, right now, I, I lost my wife after one of our adventure trips uh, last fall. Uh, we had been to... Uh, uh, Indonesia, New Guinea, uh, Papua New Guinea, and um, 
had a really phenomenal time. We visited the Azmat people, the ones who killed and probably ate Michael Rockefeller, if you remember that story from way back when. Um, and uh, shortly after that, she fell and hit her head and died. So we had- Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry to hear that. There. Yeah. Um, she was 80. We just had her 80th birthday party. Um, and then that happened. Um, but that was a real adventure. Um, and then I decided I'd do another adventure, which I just did. I'm leaving um, in uh, 10 days for another trip. I'm going down the west coast of uh, Southern California and Mexico on a small boat uh, for snorkeling and whale watching. Um, and there are a lot of parts there. And then I have um, a trip coming up. My granddaughter has asked me to take her to Mongolia as a college graduation trip next July. So we'll be doing that. Um, and then I've just, just signed up for a trip to um, Rwanda and Uganda on a uh, gorilla trek for the uh, end of August next summer. So Wow. Are you summer. taking these trips with a group or through a travel agent or do you sort it out yourself? The adventurous ones I do in, in pre-planned uh, group trips. You okay. That kind of thing by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I was trip, hoping you're not wandering around by yourself, Victor. <laughs> no. But the city trips I generally do by myself, and I'll yeah. often I'll rent a car and drive through uh, places uh, in Europe and so on. So um, I've often driven to the south of France, uh, driven around Italy and so on. I've not done that kind of a trip since my wife died. I don't know how that will feel. Yeah, I imagine that's changed up your planning quite a bit. Yeah. What has been your favorite destination, like since you've retired, or someplace that you want to go back to? Well, the place I've gone back to the most is Jerusalem. I have probably been there 10 times or more, and... Uh, Three or four years ago, we rented an apartment in Jerusalem and lived there for a month. It's a magical city. Wow. You know, I did an Airbnb apartment for a month. Um, and it, 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 so for city, for city tra uh, travel, that, that is the place I would go back to over and over and over again. There's, there's always something wonderfully new in it. It's a very spiritual place, a very amazing place to go. As a matter of fact, with the current conflict that's going on, uh, I'm planning a trip uh, either in January or February. That's not settled yet. Um, wow. On a mission to to just show support. Wow. That is some adventure travel, Victor. I mean, that's going into a war zone. Well, no. Most of Israel is not a war zone. Yeah. I mean, yes, you have to duck and hide when the, when the sirens go off, but yeah. Israel is, is, is functioning. Uh, schools are opening uh, this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that, and then if, if you had to ask me what is my favorite adventure travel? Yeah. I would say Antarctica was wow. astonishing. Hiking on the Antarctic continent uh, with all the penguins and uh, it's, it, 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 it was really an amazing trip. I went with National Geographic. Mm. Um, they they do a I've traveled with them a number of times. They do a fabulous job. Right, perfect. 
I also am a huge fan of classical music. In fact, that's what I studied in my undergrad years. Tell me about your work with the Rochester Philharmonic, your work on the board, and what types of initiatives you guys are working on to expose new audiences to classical music. I'm always interested in that. That's, that, that's something we're so proud of is what we do. We, we have um, concerts um, almost on a, on a weekly basis for school kids. And mm. we really wonderful uh, relationships with multiple school districts, both the city school district and the peripheral school districts. And we have busloads of kids coming in for uh, school concerts, uh, as well as uh, outreach. We send small uh, music groups out to schools. We have a petting zoo of, uh, of instruments that we bring uh, to the kids and so on. Uh, education is, is a really important part of the mission of, of the orchestra. Yes. Um, and I'm on the education committee, which, uh, so I help to, to plan those, those kinds of things. And um, it's, it, it's very, it's wonderful. We have an orchestra in Rochester, which, uh, as our conductor likes to say, plays way above its pay grade. Um, it is, I think it's partly because the Eastman School of Music yes. is here, which is a world-class music school. Um, but the orchestra is fabulous. And I've been a, a season subscriber to the orchestra since I've been in Rochester, since, since really the late 60s. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, been interested and was elected to the board three years ago. Yeah. Nice. I spent a very formative year in high school at a summer chamber music program at the Eastman School. So yeah, I have very yeah. fond memories of Rochester and the whole scene going on there for sure. You mentioned being involved in your grandchildren's lives. Tell um, us about your grandchildren. Are they living well, close to you? They are. Well, the three of the five are off at school now, but um, I've been fortunate that, yes, they uh, grew up, they grew up within a bike ride. And so the um, relationship you have with your grandchildren when you're that close um, is is really wonderful. It's very casual and ordinary. Every few days, something can come up, and I get a call from one of my daughters saying, hey, you know, can you come on over and sit for the kids or something like that for a little while or pick one up here or take one there? So it's, it, it's that kind of a relationship that's really been quite wonderful. Um, uh, and uh, three of them, like I mentioned, are off at, at, at school. Yeah, um, and it's graduating colleges as law school at Georgetown. Another one is going to be graduating this this year. Another one is a, a sophomore. And then we have two, and I, the, the last two are both seniors in high school this year. So they'll be going off next year. So, but it's been wonderful to be nearby. Uh, our whole yeah. family nearby, and that that was very lucky. Yeah, that's fantastic that you're able to be around and involved so much for yeah. sure. What has been the most surprising part about entering and experiencing a slower life and not even slower life, a life in retirement after such a long career? What's been the most surprising and what's been the most rewarding? The rewarding is easier to answer than the surprising. <laughs> the rewarding has been the ability to engage my interests I have too many interests, uh, and no such thing. <laughs> so I've been able to engage those as, as you know, with with the time and retirement. Yeah, and so that that's been a whole lot of fun. My, I have a Friday lunch group of uh, they're all physicists and me, and they enjoy having a uh, a doctor and the, and the group. And I, I have always been, had an interest in in uh, physics, and so 
Uh, each week we have a topic for discussion uh, and uh, we'll discuss all kinds of uh, things in the physical world. Uh, mm. So that, that's been fun. Um, so that that's the most rewarding is just been able to to do all a lot of things that I never had time to do otherwise. Surprise. Yeah. I don't think anything has been very surprising. <laughs> I guess the surprise has been the ability to do the things that I've wanted to do. You know, that, that fortunately I'm I'm 82 years old and, and I'm healthy and I've been able yeah. to indulge. So maybe that's the surprise is that I've been healthy this long since retirement. Yeah, that's the key for sure. For a lot of people, they can have saved money, but if they don't have health, that's it, it doesn't work out so well. Lastly, I want to ask you what advice you give for a pro for professionals approaching retirement and finding purpose in their third act. It's interesting. I've been taken to lunch a few times by people I know who are close to retiring and had asked me how how to plan, you know, what, what to do. And, and I think the thing is to look inward and, and to figure out who you are and, you know, what, what will interest you as time goes on. I have one friend who is retired, a retired physician, and he sits in front of the television all day because he's never been able to figure out anything that interests him to do. Mm. And that, I, I find it so sad. I go to lunch with him and, and, and try and involve him in things, but he, he's just not interested. I, I suspect he's depressed. Yeah. But, but you need to look and figure out what it is that's going to please you and then figure out ways of accomplishing those pleasures because without that, you're just going to sit around and, and, and wilt. Um, yeah. 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 Well, Victor, this has been a really great chat. It's so nice to meet you. And thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching firm. I help executives and professionals plan the non-financial part of their retirement, like how to discover new purpose and how you want to spend your time. I offer a one-on-one -on -one coaching retirement blueprint package where we work together to discover some new avenues of exploration for your Act 3. This coaching is completely custom and will provide you with a ton of resources and support as you transition to this new stage of life. For all the details, please go to goodmorningfreedom.com slash services.